0: so glad you guys are here. Um, I just want to say, um, first off, that, man, it truly is an honor. It truly is a privilege. Like, I'm very just overwhelmed uh, that I get to be the campus pastor of the Melbourne campus. And I'm just truly grateful for it. Thank you. And, uh, man, I I just think about I moved to this area and to this church just a little bit over 10 years ago. And God has just done such an incredible and radical transformation of my life over the past decade. And it truly was because of the people of this church. When I moved here, I didn't know very many people at all. And I actually just prayed and I asked God, God, please bring me into community. Bring me into a place where I got to know people. And God brought pastors at this church, but also dear, dear friends, and my young adult harbor community, just so many people that God brought into my life and and changed my life through it. And so my encouragement to, to all of us, if this is your church, man, I hope that you are coming on the weekend to hear the message, this is an important thing, what we're doing here, but also it's so important to be connected to community. And so even this weekend as we talk about groups we have an opportunity out there to get connected to groups to get connected to community and I really believe true life change comes through being connected with each other so let me encourage you to do that but uh, man I'm just grateful and I'm grateful for you guys Uh, so many people have said we are praying for the pastors we are praying for y'all and so I'm just so sincerely grateful that you guys are praying for us and now speaking of prayer let's pray and let's start the book of John sound good? Awesome, awesome. So, dear God, we are grateful for this day. We are grateful for this incredible moment where we get to open up your word and study your word. And God, the most important thing that any of us could do is experience a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so I pray that today, through this message, that you would show us Jesus in a new way we thank you, God. Please open our hearts. Please open our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So turn with me, if you will, to the book of John chapter 1. If you have heard me preach for any time at all, you may have heard me share one of my favorite stories, but I'm going to share it with you. When I was in the 10th grade, I went on a missions trip to Bolivia, South America. And I have gotten a chance to visit a lot of places in the world, but Bolivia is one of the most beautiful, and I was one of the first times where I was truly in awe of God's creation. And I remember uh, we went to this campsite that was super, super remote to do ministry, and you ask, how remote? Well, in order to get there, we had to go on this road called Death Road, which as you can tell by the title, maybe not the best road to be on. It is actually the second or third most dangerous road in the entire world. It's very narrow. It's on the top of a mountain. And as you're driving on it, you look down the ravine and you see buses, which look a lot like the bus that you are currently in, <laughs> that have rolled over and they're all burnt out from falling off the cliff. And so it's, it's a time where you grow in your, your prayer life quite a bit. And so we got to this place, we crossed this bridge over the Amazon River and we we got to this camp and we did ministry there. But then at night, what they would do was they would actually turn off, they, they took us out into this field and they turned off the generator that was powering the lights. And so we were there literally in the middle of the darkness and we looked up and we saw stars like I had never seen before layer upon layer upon layer of stars, you could literally see like the Milky Way. There was no light pollution. It was was spectacular. All of these teenagers were in sheer silence. And and then suddenly, there was a flash of light. Someone had taken their 1.2 megapixel digital camera and attempted to photograph the stars, which if you're under the age of 20 little background for you. There used to be a time when people had a camera and a phone and it wasn't the same thing. And the camera, it was not like the iPhone 13 that could take pictures in any light. It was literally like a terrible camera. And so when we got to this moment that this person was trying to capture this incredible beauty with this thing that really wasn't capable of capturing it. And that's kind of how I feel teaching the Bible any time. The, the, the Bible is incredible and beautiful and glorious. It is God's word. And so, man, how does anyone stand up and try to say something about this thing that is so magnificent? But especially as we dive into the book of John and these first few verses of the book of John, the first 18 verses that we're going to read today, some of the most beautiful scriptures in the Bible. It is truly spectacular, and so God is going to speak to us today. But since we are starting the book of John, I just want to take a quick moment and share with you four facts that are going to help us as we go on this journey of reading the book of John. So I've written down four facts for us that we need to know, four facts about John. First off, John is written by John, the son of Zebedee. He was one of the 12 disciples. Jesus called him ...on the Sea of Galilee with his brother James. And you can read those verses up there later if you would like. But they are going to explain to you that John identifies himself as the writer. Now here's what's interesting. In the book of John, we're going to find out that John has given himself a nickname. Usually not the coolest thing to do to give yourself a nickname. John gave himself the nickname, the disciple that Jesus loved. Which you got to admit... I like the confidence. And you also, I have to think that if the other disciples were reading it, they were like, John, you got to be kidding me. Like you took the title, the disciple Jesus loved. But he did. And so the disciple Jesus loved. The second thing that we need to know is that John is distinct from the other three gospels. In the Bible, there are four gospels or four biographies about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot of material in them that is actually very similar, a lot of parallel material, but the book of John is actually distinct and separate from the other three Gospels. About 90% of the book of John is completely different than the rest. The third thing that we discover is that John is written to those who are near and those who are far. Let me explain what I mean by that. One scholar, he said that John is a pool that is so shallow that a child could wade in it, and yet so deep an elephant could swim. That There's another great quote that John has stories so simple a child would love them, but statements so profound a philosopher could not understand them. And so, John was written to those who are near. If you were a good Jewish boy or girl who was familiar with the Old Testament, you would discover hundreds of allusions in the book of John to the Old Testament. And so you would be very familiar with it. But John also takes the time to explain things to someone who is brand new to the story of Jesus. And this is our goal as a church. There are many people at this church who have been following Jesus for a really long time. And I believe that in John, you're going to discover new and fresh things about who Jesus is. God is going to grow your relationship with him through this book. But if you are here and this and you're new to all of this, if you're like, man, I'm just trying to explore Christianity. I'm trying to explore the story of Jesus. And to be honest, Brian... I'm still looking for the book of John. Like you're telling me to turn there. I haven't found it yet. And, and if that's you, man, we are, we are so glad you're here. We are so grateful you're here. Our church exists for everybody. And, and our goal is we never want to use insider language or act, make you feel like we're all part of an inside joke that you're not a part of. Because the scripture is for people who are near, but also for people who feel far away from God. And lastly, John was written for one purpose. It says in John chapter 20, and it's up on the screen, it says in John 20 that Jesus performed many signs in the presence of his disciples that are not recorded in this book. So Jesus did way more than was written. But John said, these things are written. I specifically chose these things that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John said, I picked the things that I picked so that you would understand that Jesus is Savior of the world and Jesus is King of the world. And that's our prayer, is that every person at our church would encounter Jesus in a new way through the book of John. So we've introduced it. We've set it up. Let's get to work. Okay, John chapter 1. Look with me at verse 1, and this is what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, or he was with God in the beginning. So John starts off telling us about this character called the Word. And spoiler alert, the Word is Jesus. And John is going to come right out of the gate and explain to us this is who Jesus is. And he's going to give us four things this morning that we're going to learn about Jesus. The first one, you can write it down, is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. John is not trying to beat around the bush. He's not trying to kind of make you wait until the last chapter. He says, Jesus is God right up front. I think it's fascinating. He starts off by saying, in the beginning. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know those are actually the very first words in the Bible. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so John is explaining to us, the story you are about to read is not a new story. But it is actually a story that God has been writing Since the beginning of history. In the beginning was the word. Now why does John call Jesus the word? Well think about this for a second. We learn who someone is based on their words. If you were to look at me in the comments and see me. You would be able to discern certain things about me. You would be able to see perhaps by my body language or by the way that I was interacting with someone who I was. Maybe you would notice that I was with my wife and my son. Maybe you would notice that guy is like weirdly tall. Could, could be a lot of things. But you don't truly know who I am until you hear my words. And in fact, we, we are all in this room together. I can See all of you. I can't see those of you who are watching online, but we are glad you are here. But I can see all of you, and yet you probably know me better than I know you because you're hearing my words, and our words communicate our heart and our minds. And so, God has given us the Word of God, He's given us the Scripture, and in the Scripture, We see the heart of God. We see the mind of God. And also, God has sent Jesus to us, and Jesus is God, and he shows us who God is. John chapter 14, Jesus says this. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So if you want to know, I'd like to figure out who God is, there's a simple answer. We figure out who God is by looking at Jesus. Jesus shows us who God is. Now, this idea that Jesus is God, this is foundational to our faith. There's there's lots of things in theology that we can disagree about. This one is something that we will die over. We we die over this one. And and yet there are people who would say, I disagree with you about the fact that Jesus is God. There are certain cults who have twisted these words. And John chapter 1 is actually a place where people go To twist the words of Scripture because it's so essential to the idea that Jesus is God. Now, listen, we we love everybody, we are not unkind, or we don't ridicule anybody. And yet, we must realize that there are people who have stepped away from the truth. And specifically, when it comes to these two verses, those who are Jehovah's Witness and those who are Mormon, they have actually twisted the words of John. And so we have to understand that. We have to know the truth. And I'm just going to share with you, in the New World Translation, which is the Jehovah's Witness Translation of the Bible, it says this in John 1.1, that the word was in the beginning with God, and the word was a God. And, and so they, they, can, they teach that not only was Jesus a God, but that all of us could become a God. Now we must realize that the New World Translation was written by five men in the 1940s. Four of them did not have college degrees. The fifth claimed to know Hebrew and Greek, and yet under oath, he failed a basic written Hebrew test. And they twisted the words of Scripture. Now, the the Mormon translation, the Joseph Smith translation, it says this in John 1, 1, that the Son was with God and the Son was of God. Just like you and I, we are also of God. God created us. And so that was written by Joseph Smith himself in the 1830s, and he claimed that it was a study out of his own mind. So he literally said I decided what was in here. And so we must hold on to this truth. And I could show you hundreds of places in the New Testament that affirm over and over and over again that Jesus is in fact God. Now, there's one more thing that we have to learn before we move on. Notice with me that it says that the word was with God and the word was God. Now, what's interesting is John is actually setting up the idea of the Trinity. Christians believe in one God. We we, we worship one God. There is one God. And yet we believe that God exists in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And we believe they are all God. But we don't worship three gods. And we don't worship one God who like shapeshifts. Like sometimes he's God Sometimes he's Jesus, sometimes he's the Holy Spirit. It is a divine mystery. It's, in fact, hard for us sometimes to even wrap our minds around it. If you're like, man, Brian, I'm having trouble understanding the Trinity, welcome to the club. We all are. It it is a divine mystery, but we worship one God who exists in three persons, and Jesus is, in fact, God. Now let's keep reading. It says this in verse 3, Through Jesus all things were made... And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The the second thing that we want to write down and learn about Jesus is that Jesus is life. Jesus is life. The scripture actually teaches That God created the world, but but he created the world through the power of Jesus Christ. Again, we're in mysterious territory here. How do we even wrap our mind around that concept? But this is what it says in Colossians chapter 1. It says this about Jesus, that by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and For him, and Jesus is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. So, this is very deep stuff. We are already in deep waters in John chapter one, but but here's a practical takeaway for us that that so often when we look out at the world, we, we feel like things are just spinning out of control. And man, it looks like, man, things are falling apart and what is happening? And man, I'm freaking out because of how bad things look. But we must remember that we're not holding the world together. And political parties aren't holding the world together. But literally, Jesus is holding the world together with his power. And he is on the throne. And we worship him. It's all for him. And listen, when he decides to come back and make all things new... He's going to make that happen, but until then, he is holding it all together. We can trust in him, amen? Now, Jesus is life, and I want to share with you a couple of things that that means. First off, it means that Jesus is literally giving us the breath that is in our lungs. So so take a moment with me and just think about the fact that you're breathing right now. Hopefully everyone here is breathing right now. Take a breath with me. Take a breath in. Breathe out. One more. We're getting relaxed. Take a breath in. Breathe out. I'm not going to hypnotize anyone. Don't worry. But, but Jesus, he gave us that breath. The reason that you are breathing right now is because Jesus has given you that gift. And there are people all over this world who don't believe in Jesus Don't follow him, and yet Jesus has generously said, I'm giving everyone the gift of life. So Jesus has given us breath. Jesus has also given us new life. For every follower of Jesus in here, you are a miracle. Because God has taken you from death to life. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 that anyone who doesn't know Jesus We were dead in our transgressions and sins. If you don't know Jesus, spiritually speaking, you are in fact dead. You have a spirit that is not alive. But it says, but because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. It says, by grace you have been saved. And so we must understand that for every follower of Jesus in here God did a miracle. God, through the power of Jesus, brought us into spiritual life from spiritual death. And if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't been following Jesus, today could be the day for you where God does a miracle in your life, where God actually helps you to come into a new life that starts by following him. And the, second, the third thing is Jesus gives us life, he gives us new life, and he also gives us true life. True life. It says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that Jesus has come to give us life. He says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Life abundant." We, we look for so many different things as a source for true abundant life, don't we? We think, man, if I could just change this circumstance, I'm going to find true life. If I can increase my salary, if I can change the house, if I could get this specific possession, if I could find this relationship and if I could get married or if we could do this or do that, man, if that happened then that would be true life for me. What Jesus is saying is true life doesn't come from any of that. True life, life abundant comes from knowing Jesus and walking with him. So, so write this down, if you will. Jesus, he gives us life. He gives us new life, and he gives us true life. This is the way that I like to think about that. When I was in college... Uh, during the summers, I parked cars. I was a valet. And, and so I got a chance to drive some really, really awesome cars. So I got a, you know, I was in the cars and it was like Porsches and Lamborghinis and like BMWs. And it was incredible. The problem was I could only drive them in parking lots, which felt to me like a disservice to the vehicle. I was like, man, it, this is built to go faster. So I I didn't get a chance to get too many up to top speed, but there was occasion, depending on the restaurant, depending on the location, when I was actually like driving and I had like a a long enough road, like a hundred yards of road, and I was like looking to the right, looking to the left. This seems okay. When the light turns green, I can punch it. And so I remember I was in some cars and I had my foot on the brake and then I'd tap the gas and the engine would like move. It was that powerful. And then when the light turned green, I punched it for like two seconds. And then I like had to slam on the brakes to actually make my turn, you know? And by the way, if you have ever valet parked your car, that has happened to your car, just so you know. <laughs> like the valet is probably not driving it the way you're hoping he drives it. That's just, just just a little tip for you. But what I discovered was, and obviously there are some cars nowadays that have electric engines, and they don't have gas tanks, but for the most part, every car has a gas tank, right? But what separates different cars is what happens when you hit the gas pedal. And the reality is every single one of us, we have breath in our lungs. Jesus has given us breath in our lungs. But, but the difference is not all of us in here are walking in abundant life. But because so many people, even who are Christians, that they are looking for their source of life somewhere else besides in following Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, I have given you breath in your lungs. You're welcome. But he also says, I'm inviting you into the abundant life, the joyous life that actually comes from following that is where true life is found. So let's keep reading. We're going to look at verse 6. And it says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is not the John who wrote the book. This is John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. In verse 7 it says, He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. John himself was not the light. He came only as as a witness to the light. Now, this is a a passage about John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. Next week, Pastor Dave is gonna preach for us and most of the message is going to be on John the Baptist. So for now, for the sake of time, we're gonna move on and you can learn all about him next week. Verse nine. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world And so what we see here is the third thing about Jesus, that Jesus is God, Jesus is life, but Jesus is also light. Jesus is light. What what this is saying is that there is light and there is darkness. Now, are, are there any people in here who are passionate about sports, love sports, you love watching sports, love football, love basketball, show of hands, a few people. Okay, a few. All right, good. All right, so if you're a sports fan, if you love a team, there's a couple things you know. Number one, the greatest thing is when your team wins, right? Equally, the greatest thing is when your rival loses. Amen? Yeah. So we got some Miami Dolphins fans in here. Not not too loud, not too proud. But you know that, man, like this season, it it, like started rough, kind of got good, and then at the end kind of tailed off a little bit, so you didn't make the playoffs, which is sad. But you also know last weekend, the New England Patriots lost in the playoffs, which means the playoffs are going awesome, right? Like that's how it goes. And I'm sorry, I think there's at least a couple Pats fans in here. I apologize for making this joke at your expense. But I am from North Carolina. We are huge in college basketball in North Carolina. We have Duke and we have Chapel Hill, UNC. And those are the two places. And if you grow up in North Carolina, you have to choose. There is a line in the sand. Either you are a Tar Heel or you are a Blue Devil. The correct answer, by the way, is Tar Heel. <laughs> but, but it was like, it is literally the biggest rivalry. And you are either for one and against the other or vice versa. It is a war. And the reason I tell you this is that so often people have this neutral stance towards Jesus. People say, oh man, Jesus is an incredible guy. He's an awesome teacher. We, we love some of the stuff he says. And uh, he did some great miracles. And that's really cool. I like it. I respect it. But I'm not really that passionate about following him. John says Jesus is the true light. And he says there is light and there is darkness. Jesus, he says, either you are for me or you are against me. And the reality is, and listen, there are people in here and you're just exploring and trying to discover Christianity and you're trying to figure out what do I believe. And if that's you, like you are welcome here. We are so glad that you're here. But you must realize at one point or another that Jesus forces us to draw a line in the sand. Because Jesus, he said, I am God. I am the only path to eternal life. Like a cool, neat, nice person does not say that. Right? Like we got some great pastors here. They say some great stuff. If any of them is like, just to let you know I am God, we would probably let them take a little sabbatical. But because A person who claims to be God is either actually God or a lunatic. And so Jesus, we can't just take him casually. We either have to say he is crazy, he's out of his mind, or he is actually who he says he is, and we must worship him as such. And so Jesus is the light of the world. And as the light of the world, you and I, we are called to be lights of the world. We are called to carry Jesus' light into our community. And so my question to us is, how are we doing at that? How are you doing in your business, at school, in the classroom, at the coffee shop? As you interact with people online, are you carrying the light of Jesus to the world? Because Jesus is light. Let's keep going. This will be the last section of John that we read, but look with me at verse 14. It says this, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John the Baptist testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me Because he was already before me. Verse 16. Out of Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. The last thing we are going to write today about Jesus is that Jesus is here. Jesus is here. There is something powerful about showing up. If you're going through a hard time, it is wonderful when someone texts you or calls you or sends DoorDash to your door. Those are beautiful things. But there is something really special about when they come over. And when they embrace you, when they sit down to listen. There's something powerful about showing up. And God did send a letter to us. He sent the scriptures which show us his heart. But he did more than that. He showed up. He stepped into human history fully God and fully man in the person of Jesus. And this scripture talks about the fact that God himself became a human being, and he showed up for us. Now, when it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that word dwelt literally means to tabernacle, to tabernacle. Now, if you were a Jewish person reading this, you would immediately think about the tabernacle. What is the tabernacle? Well, when God delivered the children of Israel out of Exodus, or out out of, out of Egypt in Exodus. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And then eventually they made it to the promised land. But during that time, God gave them this really, really unique command, and it's in Exodus chapter 25. God said, have them, that's the people, make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. So the people, they collected cloth and wood and gold and silver and their craftsmen built this beautiful tabernacle. And the goal was, God wanted them to know we are not just on a long, dusty walk in the wilderness. We are on a journey with God. God himself is among us. The tabernacle was put right in the middle of the camp. Every tent in the camp Faced it. So when you woke up in the morning, when you went to bed at night, the last thing you saw was the tabernacle. You knew every moment you were reminded God is with us on this journey. Now, just as a side note, if you have kids pre K all the way through fourth grade, today in kids' church, they are learning about the tabernacle. So you can ask them about it on the way home and they will think that you. Like, have these supernatural powers. How did you know? Okay, so ask them. Say, we both learned about the tabernacle. But, but in Exodus chapter 40, after the tabernacle was complete, there's this really powerful word Exodus 40, verse 34. It says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses could not enter the tent, tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So here's what happened. It was just cloth and wood and metal, but then the presence of God settled on the tabernacle. And when that happened, the presence of God was so powerful and so glorious that nobody could go near. Now, this makes what John wrote in verse 14 incredibly significant. Because he said the word became flesh And tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory with our own eyes. But look at this. With Moses. God's glory. Was so holy. So different that no one could go near. But because of Jesus. Being fully God and fully man. We can draw near to God. And Jesus. He is full of grace and truth. So. He shows us the full picture of God, God's holiness and God's love. The fact that God is so far beyond us and the fact that God wants to draw near. And and it says that the law came through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus. Now listen, in the law, the goal was you need to remain clean. There was clean and there was unclean. And your goal, your job was, I got to be good, I got to be clean, and if I'm clean, God will accept me. And so you are constantly thinking, I need to avoid anything that was unclean. And if something unclean touched something clean, that clean thing became unclean. But listen, when Jesus came onto the scene, whenever Jesus touched something unclean, it became clean. Isn't that amazing? Whenever Jesus touched something unclean, it became clean. So the story is no longer you do enough good stuff and God will love you. you. You try really hard and clean yourself up and then you go show yourself to God. No, the story is you get as close to Jesus as possible and Jesus will make you clean. Jesus will make you new. Amen. And so as we begin the book of John, as we start this journey together, can I just encourage us? Our goal as a church is we are trying to get as close to Jesus as possible. Our goal is we want to draw near to him. We want to get to know him because we believe the more that I look at Jesus, the more I see God for who he truly is, the more he's going to transform me. He's going to help me become the person he's calling me to be. He's going to help me to be an incredible husband or an incredible wife. He's going to help me to be an incredible parent. He's going to help me to be an incredible coworker. He's going to help me to serve in my community. It's not that you have to do it on your own. It's that you draw near to Jesus and his power empowers us. And so for everybody in here, if you've been a follower of Jesus for 25 years or 50 years we look at Jesus and Jesus transforms us but I believe there are those in here and who are watching online and you would say Brian I'm still just learning about the story of Jesus and today I learned that apart from Jesus I am spiritually dead but but, but God wants to do a miracle in my life and make me alive. So as we close today, I want to give us an opportunity to do that. If you would, let's pray. For those of us in this room or online who would say, Brian, I want to become a Christian. I want Jesus to save me. And I want Jesus to help me to follow him. I just want to encourage you just to pray a simple prayer. And a prayer, it doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But our prayer puts helps us to put our faith in God. And so I just want to encourage you just to pray, because Jesus, he's already died on the cross for you to pay for your sins. He's already risen the invitation to give you new life. And so just pray and say something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I know that you love me, but I also know that I've walked far away from you. I know that without you, I am spiritually dead. So I want to ask you to please forgive me of my sins. Please save me. Please rescue me. Help me to follow you. Help me to get in community where I can follow you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.